Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause shame's done all it's stealing. And you're desperate for some healing. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes a way where there ain't no way. John, one of the sons of thunder, wants his friends to walk with Jesus and experience the joy that he has and that a relationship with Jesus brings. You know, it's not unusual for someone who just came to faith to be so excited, 
to talk about Jesus, to talk about how great his or her salvation. They are so grateful for what God has done. And they can't even believe that they have the opportunity to be a son or a daughter of God. But over the years, maybe over the decades, sometimes we forget. We, well, fade And we wonder, and we question. John was close to 80 years old, and he was still filled with joy when he wrote the Gospel of John. Now, we're not in the Gospel of John at this moment, but if you can picture John at 80, perhaps singing the song that Ann Wilson just sang. I just, I just want to tell you about my Jesus. I just want you to know how amazing, how wonderful, the joy that, that Jesus brings me. And I want you to experience too. This means that with great clarity and passion, John wrote Christ's story more than 50 years after his resurrection. John had walked literally with Jesus. He was a leader in the birth of the church. And he saw the church grow, mostly through persecution. He had experienced the Roman oppression and the destruction of the temple. He saw his friends scattered, beaten, imprisoned, and killed. All for following Jesus. John understood more than ever by the time he finished his gospel that Jesus was the only way, Jesus was the only truth, and Jesus was the only pathway to life. At the very end of the gospel of John, John writes this in chapter 20, verse 31. He puts it in perspective and he says, but these are written so that you may I wrote this gospel. I wanted you to know who Jesus was, he writes, so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you have life by the power of his name. Name. You know, a relationship with Jesus had changed John's life forever. And walking with Jesus gave him great joy. Now, John wrote his epistles. The book that we're going to open up today. He started writing 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John five years after he has written this gospel. And again... Scholars put John at at least 80, but he could have been up closer to 90 and maybe written 1 John when he was 95 years old. Now we know this, that up to this moment, John had been a pastor for at least 50 years and probably more. He was seasoned and refined. And I think one of the things is you're going to see in this book, in the book of 1 John, is that John was fired up. As he got older, he didn't get, shall we say, more casual 
I think there was a fire in his bones. He knew not only his life was short, but he wanted to make sure that his friends understood how important this was. This Jesus hasn't let him down. This Jesus was amazing. He was amazing 50 years ago, and he's amazing right now. John probably wrote these letters while he was living in Ephesus. It seems like he had a role where he was overseeing quite a few different churches at this moment. But as you read through 1 John, you're going to be able to tell that he was writing to close friends. 1 John isn't a letter written to a specific specific church or a specific group of people. It's more of a general letter. And, And it seems very clear that John is pouring out his heart. His heart. There were believers of all ages who needed to be affirmed. And John saw this. The recipients knew John well and trusted him. They heard of John's relationship with Jesus. They saw him live it out. They knew his stories were real. He had great credibility. They had to be familiar with the gospel. And most scholars today will even look at 1 John and say this. 1 John is really a commentary on the gospel of John chapters 13 through 17. When Jesus sat down with his disciples for the last time. When Jesus was sharing his last words with the disciples. Most people feel that maybe, maybe 1 John was written. Maybe John had a bunch of questions. Maybe John saw that, well, Christ was a little confusing and his, well, call to action was misunderstood. He, he wanted to make sure they understood completely. These are Christ's last words and, and pretty critical as you can tell. John wanted to make sure his readers had a proper understanding of Jesus' teaching and that we're applying them in his Christian life. Now, you may be saying, Rick, are are we going to get into 1 John? We are. We are, I promise. But this is so important as we just open up the Scripture that you understand the context, that you realize all that was going on and what John was trying to accomplish under the Spirit's guiding, of course. There's no doubt that these folks really understood his style. Now, now let me say this. His style was rambling. Rambling. All right? And, and we all know people like that, right? You get in a conversation, and about 15 minutes later, you wonder, what was that original question that you asked? Or how did we get here? Or what was going on? John had the gift of ramble, all right? Dr. Merrill Tinney, um, He was at Wheaton College when I was at Wheaton College, and I used his textbook to help me understand at least the perspective of all the New Testament. He was a rather brilliant man, and he was one of these guys who was able to be able to read a letter or read a book and say, hey, I think this is what it means. And he could say it in a sentence or two. 
He said this about 1 John. He calls 1 John a symphony rather than a letter. Now, some of you that don't understand what a symphony is, I'm, I'm going to describe that, okay? Instead of proceeding step by step and unfolding a subject, like Paul did in Romans very systematically, John selects a theme and then introduces a series of variations to that theme. Any one of these themes probably could be a whole message series itself. John doesn't compromise or blur the lines. He is so black and white. And I wonder, I wonder if it's because of his age or the message, which was so critical, maybe that had something to do with it. He didn't want to be misunderstood. He had already been preaching a long time and teaching a long time and making many disciples. Well, he just wanted to be crystal clear. He did. For example, we're going to read, and we're not going there today, but John will say something like this. One who doesn't love, well, you actually hate. And a hater is really a murderer. Yeah, okay. That hopefully will bring you back, but it might at least bring you back cautiously. All right? But this kind of extreme posturing is startling and effective in getting a reader's attention, especially if it's true. In this regard, John, I think, followed his teacher quite well. For Jesus was a master at making bold and startling statements. 1 John, as we find out in chapter 5, verse 13, was written so that those who believe in the name of Jesus, he was writing this letter to those who knew God, who were part of God's family, who understood that they were sinners and separated from God and needed a Savior and trusted Jesus to be the Messiah. John continually writes and says, I'm writing to those who believe, those who are part of God's family, so that you may know that you have eternal life. And some folks look at this and say, oh, this is all about assurance. No, this is so that everyone who knows Jesus will understand completely what this life is that God offers us. Yes, it's certainly heaven when we shut our eyes. And we had an opportunity to be able to focus on that last Sunday. And I see my friend Karen here. And we were able to rejoice because Ron was with God right then and right now. There's no doubt. And that's important. But Paul, or excuse me, John also wants us to know that eternal life actually starts right now. Eternal life is abundant life now and eventually be able to spend our eternity with God. So fasten your seatbelts, my friends. I think this flight is going to be turbulent. And actually, these four, four verses, the first four verses we're going to look at might be even a little confusing. So let's pray. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I love it. I love it that one of your disciples 
is still following you passionately when they're 80, 85, 90, 95 years old. They've seen the good and the bad and the ugly. They watched you suffer. They listened to you after you were resurrected. See, they saw the church grow. They saw the church diminish. They saw the church go into all the world and share good news. There were churches that struggled, and John knew that, and there were churches that were thriving, and John knew that. But in all this, all this, he's writing a letter because he is so grateful for his relationship with you and desires more than anything that not only his friends 2,000 years ago ought to have joy, the same joy he had, but we can. Lord, if we're honest, these are pretty dark days. These are dismal days. These are days that are confusing There's not a lot of hope out there at times. Oh God, we thank you that you're in charge. We thank you that we can trust you and we thank you that your presence is enough. We do. We pray, Father, for all those who are teaching right now. We think of even Pastor Paul and Chow and and Lord, they're our missionaries of the week and we pray, dear God, that you would strengthen them even this day and that you would give them great energy to be able to proclaim the gospel in every area in spite of the, well, resistance that will happen. We pray, dear God, for the various churches in our area and today we just list some of them, Father. We, we pray for Grace Point Church and New Hope and for Meadowland. Lord, there's so many others and there's so many folks who are are teaching and praising you right now in buildings, in fields, in homes. We pray your word would powerfully go out. We pray that we would be able to praise you and honor you and that we would understand all that the name of Jesus means. We pray that, Father. We pray for our teachers and our kids downstairs. So grateful again that they're able to sit underneath the the teaching of men and women who love you. Help them understand truth. Help them understand who you are. We ask you now, Father, that you would open our eyes. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's look at the first four verses. First John chapter 1. You can look up on the screen if you'd like. And, and, you know, as I looked, as I opened this, these four verses, I just was in admiration of those who translate the Bible. Mostly because in Greek, this is one sentence. All right? The first four verses are one, is one sentence. Man, a grammar is one sentence, all right? It is complicated. And it almost feels to me like John woke up one day and says, oh man, I just got to blurt this out and it's just going to keep going on and on and on and on and on. And that's the first four verses. So let's begin by reading them. First John chapter 1, starting at verse 1. We proclaim to you. Uh, Let me just say this. All the way through this text, too, you're going to see instead of John who's writing this, you you, you hear we. 
I just want to explain to you, what he is really talking about is this, is he's saying I, of course he's part of the we, but we, all those who were apostles, who walked with Jesus, I just want you to know, the message is so consistent. I'm the actual spokesman right now, but it's all of us, all of us who are saying this. So we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We have seen him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you, my friends, that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim, we declare to you that we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share in our joy. John starts off and he says this, I was there. All of us are a little bit jealous of that. I I mean, we got to be a little bit where, you know, you have a tendency to think, what would it be like to live with Jesus? How would that pan out? Uh, How did he really do some of the things he really did? And how did he really teach some of the things he really taught? Because we have words. We don't have exclamation. We don't have some of the, well, we have some of the restrictions that just go with the dialogue here. So John says, I was there. I have heard and seen the one who existed from the beginning and touched him. The one who had no beginning, Jesus, the Son of God, I had a relationship with him. Now, this experience was so life-changing, not only is he talking about it when he's 80, 85, 90, or 95 years old. I'm just going to put him right at 95. All right? But this experience was so life-changing that he is still talking about it, excited about it. He used right here in in, in these verses... Verbs in the present tense. Now again, it may not mean much, but let me just share with you how amazing this makes it sound. Because John used these verbs in the perfect tense. He is trying to convey the idea that his past experience of the God-man and the incarnate Son of God was still so vivid and so real to him. In other words, it happened in the past, but this action kept, kept going forward, kept moving with momentum. And that's the force of the perfect tense in Greek. So he wanted us to know. He saw him, but whoa, it made a difference. He heard him, huh, it made a difference. It's still making a difference. He cannot forget all that is happening. I hope you're getting a little bit of that excitement. Jesus was with the Father from the beginning. Jesus is the word of life. 
Jesus is the revealer, the communicator of God to humanity. As the Word, the Son of God fully is God. And He fully conveys and communicates God. Calling Jesus the Word was common for John. Do you remember back in John chapter 1 in his gospel? And you can look up on the screen. But John starts off writing about Jesus way different than any of the other gospel accounts. And he says this, In the beginning, the Word already existed, Jesus. And the Word, Jesus, was with God. And the Word, Jesus, was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word, Jesus, gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. These ideas are going to be completely developed in the book of 1 John. If you remember in some of the other scriptures, Paul had the same idea in mind in Colossians chapter 1 when he wrote this, the visible image of the invisible God is Jesus. The writer of Hebrews was thinking similarly when he said in Hebrews chapter 1 that Jesus expresses the very character of God. In the Godhead, the Son functions as both the revealer and the reality of God. I would like to put it this way. Jesus made God touchable. Jesus is the source of life, the one who gives meaning to life, the one who is life revealed to us. And John said, I had fellowship with Jesus. I just want you to know, I know what it is to be in relationship with Jesus. And I haven't forgotten it. It's made an impact and it's given me joy. I just want you to know. So he says, I proclaim to you that you can have fellowship with us, with God, with Jesus. We saw the relationship between Jesus and God. We heard Jesus talk to his Father. We ourselves have experienced this relationship. And now we're telling you so you can experience a relationship with God like we had. It's kind of amazing. In other words, you can have a community with the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. As I said, some of this is a little hard to understand, but it's going to make sense, I think. During the days of Christ's ministry, he did two things for the disciples. He revealed the Father to the disciples and modeled for them what fellowship with the Father would look like. John is actually saying that others, those who actually didn't physically walk with Jesus, that's us in particular, can come into fellowship with those who did see and hear and handle him. 
Now, it's not literally at this moment, but it certainly was to the first hearers of this letter. John is just saying this, is that all of you can come into fellowship with us, or with me in particular, John says, because I had a relationship with God. And they, those who didn't actually have a physical walk with Jesus, in turn can come into fellowship with the Father and the Son. So not only can you have fellowship with us, but you can have fellowship with the Father and the Son because the ones who didn't actually physically walk with Jesus are in community with those who actually did physically walk with Jesus and now have a relationship with God. Let me say it a different way. In other words, whoever would enter into this fellowship with John would actually be entering into fellowship with the Father and the Son. Let me try to explain this. John proclaimed the word of life. So that, or in order that, all believers would realize they can have fellowship with God. An authentic partnership. And have fellowship with fellow believers. And with Jesus Christ. You see, the word rendered fellowship. The familiar Greek term koinonia signifies a mutual participation in a common cause or a shared life. What John is talking about, and he's going to develop this theme all the way through 1 John, is saying it is far more than just a casual partnership of those who have same beliefs and gather once a week to praise and to worship together. Rather, it's a group of unified believers doing life together. Community or unity in the church is critical. Not even an option if you want to walk with God. Let me say that again. Sometimes we think disharmony is okay. It's not. John starts off talking very clearly and then hammers this home all the way throughout his letter. He is saying that the church needs to be unified if you want to walk with God. Or another way, you cannot have fellowship with God if you don't have fellowship with other believers. Because there's sin in your life. And sin breaks fellowship. God is a holy God. And we understand that as any one of us sin, we need to confess that sin. And as we repent, the scriptures tell us that we are forgiven and the fellowship or the relationship is restored. You don't lose your salvation, but you lose your fellowship. Now, as you look at this, if for some reason there are folks who are believers, 
and we're holding grudges. We're not forgiving. We're maligning one another. We're talking about others. The scriptures tell us that's sin. And because we're not in communion with one another, it is impossible for us or them to walk with God at that moment. Francis Chan just wrote a book called Unity. And it's pretty amazing how he focuses on how critical unity in the church is. And it's not only critical for those who are in the church, but critical for those outside the church as they see what following Jesus is all about. So really, John ends up saying this. I am filled with joy. I am so grateful I know Jesus. I am so grateful that I walk with Jesus. And I want you to know, you can too, that John's joy is not dependent on circumstances. It's about walking with Jesus on the journey. John's transforming message is one that brings consummate joy, produces full satisfaction and complete fulfillment that will never be lost. No wonder he wants you to have it in me. I think to John, being a sad Christian is hard for him to stomach. Not that there aren't times of sadness or times of mourning. Jesus told his apostles in the upper room in John chapter 15, he said this, these things I've spoken to you so that my joy, Jesus said, might be in you and that your joy might be made complete or full. So that you might have my joy, Jesus said. I've just lived with you for three years. You've seen me. You have talked with me. You have desired to have this, and I want you to know you can have this, and your joy will be full. That's why I gave you my words and my principles. The Apostle Paul explains in Romans 14, he says this, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, one of these um, old-time expositors, he went on as he tried to describe these verses in a commentary, and he tried to summarize um, the sort of joy that this apostle John was speaking of. And I, and I thought it was worthy, so I'm going to read that to you. He said this, joy, the joy that John had is something very deep and profound, something that affects the whole and entire personality. In other words, it comes to this. There is only one thing that can give true joy, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He satisfies my mind. He satisfies my emotions. He satisfies my desire. He and his great salvation include the whole personality and nothing less. And in him I am complete. 
Joy, in other words, is a response and a reaction of the soul knowing and walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. John wanted his friends, friends who had never walked with Jesus personally, to walk with Jesus then, and he wants us to walk with Jesus and share in his joy. John wanted his readers to experience the joy that comes from understanding that the reality of Christ, the saving truth of the gospel, and the fellowship that each Christian can have with fellow believers. All true followers can experience the joy of Christ's presence. They can. They can. If I would say this, is that John basically says, let me tell you about my Jesus so that you can also have the joy that I have in me. You know, Eugene Peterson um, did a paraphrase of the New Testament. And as I started off saying, um, for any translator, I think these first verses... (laughs) first four verses were a nightmare. But as I dug in and I looked what Eugene wrote, I think he caught what John was trying to say. Let me read it for you. From the very first day, John writes, we were there, taking it all in. We heard it with our own ears saw it with our own eyes, verified it with our own hands. The word of life appeared right before our eyes. We saw it happen. And now we're telling you in the most sober prose that we have witnessed or that what we witnessed was incredibly this. The infinite life of God himself took shape before us. We saw it. We heard it. And now we're telling you so you can experience along with us the experience of communion with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. Our motive for writing is simply this. We want you to enjoy this too. And your joy will double ours. I'm not sure you caught every part of these four verses. But John the old man had walked with God for so long that his fire was burning bright. He said, I just want you to know Jesus. It brings me unbelievable joy and it will bring you. That's what the letter is going to be about. What does it look like to walk with Jesus? Let's pray. God, if we're honest, we're overwhelmed, seriously, by your grace and your mercy and your love. Not even one person here deserves it. No no one deserves it. But God, you came to this planet You showed how much you loved us. You spent time with men. And you began to display for us 
who God is and how he acts. Father, we've seen your kingdom move forward. And we saw the joy that you bring when people are with you. John hasn't lost it. John experiences it every day. And God, I think that would be our heart cry. Our heart cry is no matter how old we are, that we would understand how wonderful you are and that your presence in our life makes all the difference in the world. And that we can have joy no matter what doctors say, no matter what our bank account looks like, no matter what because you are enough. I thank you for John. I thank you that you allowed one of the sons of thunder to live his whole life because it inspires me to walk with you. We love you, Lord, and pray that you would be honored with our words and our lives. In Jesus' name,